All right, man. John Stephenson, man. This has been a, a long time coming, brother. How you doing? Man, bro, it's always a pleasure, man. It's crazy, right? It was <laughs> nuts like, excuse me, talking my mouth full. How, as I was a banana, hold on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, we, that we can do this. You're on the other side of the world. And our friendship started in 2004. And every time I see you, whether it's an Olympic village on camera or if I see like it's the same dude, <laughs> same, same happiness, man. And that's, that's a testament to your character, brother. So it's awesome to see you, man. And um, it's good to see you today. Yeah, man. I love it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time. Like how did, how did a track athlete and a, and a swim swimmer get together, man? How did we first meet? Like, do you remember? Dude, I don't... <laughs> I'm trying to, I think it was through Alan Jones. I think we did a, we went to the horse racing together. Uh. We, we did something, man. Like we did something together, like where, where we were, at, we were at a, a common place together and we just hit it off, man. Like we started talking and I guess, I guess we just, I mean, I, I say to you unbiasedly, I think that you've got that vibe, like you're great with people, man. So like, and you've always been really humble, dude. And I guess you probably saw like a young Thundercat trying to, and you, you really hit a big, you're the man in Australia. So like, mm. um, I, and you know, I was trying to make my way through and I think I just won Olympic silver then at that time, but I was new to running. I only been running for like 12 months. Yeah. And, and I guess you just took me under your wing, man. And then we just hit it off and then, yeah, started chopping it up, brother. So yeah, yeah 2000 yeah. around an event. Yeah. No, we've been we've been we've been cool ever since. And I, and I got to tell you this, you you probably don't know this because you haven't known a lot of me as as a coach in the past, you know, 15 years, but I based my coaching philosophy around a week's worth of training that you and I had together. You know, we we actually we met up in Santa Monica and mm. we spent a week together. You were out here training with Maurice Green, you were training at uh, at a UCLA, right? Yeah, like Smith, yeah. Yeah. So we did this week training together and you, you invited me along. I stayed at your place and we worked out. I did all the workouts with you, but you invited me along to these track workouts with the Maurice Green and, and the weight workouts. And, and what I learned at that, that week of training, I, I based my philosophy on that, man. Uh, my, 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 my swimming. Yeah. What, in what, what elements and what aspects? Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. So, so here's, here it is. So what I learned from you guys was the, the emphasis on technique and, and drilling up front. Like you guys would drill, drill, drill as warmups, like, and everything was, um, but you were loose in between, you know, you'd be loose and have some fun and then boom, you'd turn on and you, and you drill, you know, and you did that for an hour and then you would, you would hit the track hard. Like you guys would go for it, compete, race, you know, for, for another hour, hour and a half, you know, and before that, maybe you were in the gym. So you did like this three hour block of training and then you didn't, yeah. you didn't do anything again necessarily until 24 hours later. So you allowed the body to recover, but you came in yeah. and you were, you were so finely tuned and then you were so competitive and then you'd recover and rest, you know? So that's what I found to be incredible. And then you did that five days in a row. 
Like this is not swimming philosophy. This is track philosophy. You guys would go five days in a row. And then Saturday and Sunday, I remember Saturday was an active recovery and Sunday was more of a passive recovery. You know, you, you, you kind of take a, a hot tub yeah. or just go down to the ocean and chill. But like Saturday was more of an active recovery. So, man, I took that philosophy and I was so afraid to apply it in swimming immediately. Like I had it in the back of my mind for a long time. And what I took was some principles. I took your uh, emphasis on technique. I took your emphasis on drilling. I took your emphasis on uh, race pace in practice and competitiveness. And, and I used all that. Yeah. But, um, but it wasn't until, um, 2000 and, um, 2017, I was training a guy by the name of Bruno Fratus. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. And we, we did the, we did the five days on every day. We worked hard for five days. We took the weekends off and, uh, he ended up getting a silver medal in the 50 freestyle at the world championships. And I guess, I guess for yourself, that's like a huge, that would be a huge validation for you because I guess up until then, you're either copying what you've learned in the past or what you've done under someone else's tutelage and then maybe, and utilize that. And then, but to be able to take the jump for yourself and actually do your way and still get a result mm. would, would have been a huge validation, right? Mate, it was massive. Yeah. I actually went down, uh, I got invited down to Australia to the Gold Coast and they had a, uh, a coaches convention for all, all the top coaches in Australia. And they asked me to come down and do a presentation on it. And I told wow. them straight, I said, listen, this is gonna, this is gonna shake your foundation a little bit, but I'm going to tell yeah. you exactly what I did for a season. And I said, I, I'm not saying it's the right way. I'm just telling yeah. you, it was in my head for about 15 years training with John Stephenson. And then all of a sudden I apply it and, and, and we got a result. And so like, it just, it just changed the game. It changed the way that, that's, that coaches were thinking. It changed the way that we, we um, looked at sprinting. Because yeah. you guys, you guys have had, were so far advanced in the way that you were doing things. So talk to me about that in your track. Like what are, what are the things that you valued in your, in your own track training? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I look at John Smith. I mean, I don't call him my coach. He's more like my uncle now. We were 10 years together, had our ups and downs. And, um, and the one thing I admire with John, he was an innovator in that space where he never got stuck in his way, even though he had the right to. He had so much, um, you know, credentials behind him and medals and medal winners. And he was a top runner himself. He was world record holder in 1971 in the four, 440 yards back when they ran in yards. And, you know, he, he constantly challenged himself to try and find better ways of doing his craft. And I'll never forget... Um, I was racing against a guy at the time who was a great American quarterback by the name of Jeremy Warren, that essentially mm. took over from Michael Johnson. And he was the guy I was trying to beat. And um, I remember John got off the phone. We had training, got off the phone to Clyde Hart, who coached Michael Johnson and Jeremy. And I'm like, who was that? And it was like, oh, that was Clyde Hart. And I was like, in my head, like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I don't start part of my language. But I was like, what the hell? Like, why are you talking to him for? And John was like, he had he had a group of coaches that he spoke to that that they traded information with one another in order to make themselves better. So they were constantly innovating them. Like one was Lawrence Seagray, one was Brooks Johnson, one was uh, Clyde Hart, and there was John. There was four of them that would talk about each other's workouts. Where Clyde would take what he was doing on Maurice 
from John to use with Michael or use with Jeremy. And John would take what he was doing with Michael and Jeremy use for his quarter miles and maybe, you know, with Brooks, who was the older head out of all of them. And I just thought, I thought that was a really, I, 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 at the time I was young and sort of was like, what? But as I got older, I was like, that was a really, that's a sign of a good coach to me mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. that able to go, okay, this is going to be the pool of knowledge I'm going to pull from um, in order to have my athletes be the best they can be, right? Um, but he still kept obviously the competitive sort of side and nature of, of that, that we, if we would, if I never asked, I'd never have known. And I would have been thinking like the way he talked about him, like it was war when we went out there on the track. So um, I think it was a huge culture shift for me. You being Australian, I guess living in America would probably attest to this and understand um, everything you, 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 that you stole <laughs> for swimming is essentially what made me a better athlete. Uh, I think, in Australia, we have a really good um, science understanding um, around sport, but I think we really lose the artsy feel that is needed at the end of the day. When all else fails, um, it still comes down to that athlete's feel, whether it's in a team sport or whether it's in an individual sport, that they're going to make that split decision of, okay, this is going to either cost me winning a medal or losing a medal or winning a championship or losing a championship. And I don't think you can um, ideally, I, I think that, that something, you can coach, but it's not something that you can read in a textbook. It's a mm. feeling. It's mm-hmm. the connection with the athlete or with your team as a coach. And all the great coaches somehow seem to have that. If you really listen to the nuances of what an athlete talks about, their great coach or a coach, it's never, oh, yeah, what he did was he wrote down X, Y, and equal this. Like, it was never that. It was like, he did this for me, or he said that, or it was that look he gave me, or it was that made them go to that next level. And, um, and I think that's what I really got out of being in that group. And without that group and without John, I wouldn't have been the runner that I am today. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, man, it was an awesome experience for me. And it shaped me. Athletically, I really became Americanized in the way I, I went about my sport. Um, and, but I was still very much a South African Australian kid with, with I guess, my, my upbringing and how, I, and how I moved. Yeah, yeah. Man, I love it. You were always so... Um, prepared to do whatever it took and, and i love that about you you know you're always the type of guy i was like brett i remember i remember specifically you sit in an ice bath one day and you were like i hate this man i hate this but i have to do it if i want to be the best like you always had that mindset of like i gotta do yeah. what i gotta do you know like yeah. t- talk to us about some of those things that some of the decisions you made that made you great yeah man i think a lot of that came from boxing as a kid um I, I boxed from when I was 11 to 19 and I took a really, I took an ass whipping man um, when I was 19 and that's what sort of catapulted me into running. And uh, I just, I made, I made a real conscious decision that I'm going to leave no stone unturned in order to be the best mm-hmm. and within the boundaries that I was given. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we'll talk about that later, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, 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 it's something that, um, I wasn't the most talented athlete, no way near it. Um, but I had a mass, I had, like you said, I'm glad you could recognize I, I had a wicked work ethic and I was really, my belief structures and my, um, my ability to, to zone in and focus was what got me through. Uh, I think that's something that was instilled by my parents growing up. And I think it was something which it was a conscious decision that I made and the team of people that I put around me. And you're one of, and you always laugh at it because I don't think you understand the impact <laughs> on me, but 
we uh, we always talk about this. I I was I never went to a, a opening ceremony because I was sitting there at Commonwealth Games, and it was you, Michael Klim, Grant Hackett, I think Thorpe was in the room, and we were sitting around the table, and you were like, Eamon Sullivan, I think was there too, and I think you were like. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to do this opening ceremony because it's at home. It's Commonwealth Games. And you gave me this look of disgust. Like, like <laughs> bro, you're like, scratch that, bro. We don't do opening ceremonies, bro. We do closing ceremonies with our heart around our neck. That's what it is. <laughs> and it really me where, like, the way you put it, and maybe the shifted now, like, maybe young kids don't see it that way now. But at that time, it, like, it resonated with me with, yeah, you're right. I'm here to do a job, man. I'm here to whip up. I'm not here, like, my job's not done. So what am I celebrating in the opening ceremony? I celebrate the closing ceremony culminating all my hard work. And if I've done it right, I'm walking away with some hardware. Mm -hmm. And I think I still wouldn't change that. And I would still teach that if I was a coach or a mentor, because I think that's what you're there for. That's what sponsors are paying you. That's what your parents worked hard for. That's what you worked hard for. So that I never did any opening ceremony in my whole career. <laughs> And, and I, I was going to watch that show on TV. But, um, but, but it, it was something which, again, instilled, huge instilled a little bit, again, that hardness, to the, to which then helped me in the ice bath because all those little one percenters in mentality shift and mentality change on what my purpose was. Because as you know, as an athlete, it's not a long time, but you have to make it a good time. Mm -hmm. So you go hard as you can because winning is, there's no better feeling than doing the work and winning it's unbloody believable man like if you've done the one percenters and dedicated yourself and you win the euphoria is the best in the world and for those that are involved and for yourself so mm -hmm. i do that in the ice bar so that well, for me we're having those little victories whether it's a personal best in training whether it's a personal best at a state comp whether it's a personal best at a national comp whether it's a personal best on a world comp it's still that euphoric feeling this gets magnified the bigger the comp goes because you're, you're narrowing down right to the pinnacle mm. of the sport. Mm. So um, I was always in pursuit of that constantly because I knew if I did this ice bath and I nailed this week, that was a big tick for the week of training and I could eat on Sunday, my cheat meal, like a boss, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then, it, you know, that was just my, my way I got through it. And, mm. Those weeks added up to nine months of hard work and then at culminated at a world championships or and that's why I mean I showed you downstairs earlier. That's why I made thirteen consecutive national teams from when I started my career to when I ended. I never missed a national team mm. because of that standing, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, no doubt in my mind, man. What was the most rewarding um athletic performance for you? Where where was it the Com Games four hundred four hundred that you won or no, they were excuse me, you, you get this, they're all rewarding. They're just rewarding in different ways. And yes, as much as Commonwealth Games catapulted me, I, I made a shitload of money. I finally got notoriety and respect for my, 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 for what I did. Um, mind you, it was only, that was only my third year of running. And, um, you know, like for those, I mean, I'll just give a bit of background. I was not the greatest quarter mile in the world, but far from it. Um, but I was, I was, I was in the pinnacle of where I was, you know, my second year running, I was on my second year real running, which was 12 months. I was able to win Olympic silver in the relay. Mm -hmm. I only been, I never juniors. I never ran as a kid. I just boxed and I played school sport. I started running when I was 20, turning 21. Wow. Um, and then I won Olympic silver and in Athens. So I, I remember my first team in 12 months, which was in six months, which was 
Paris World Champions 03. That's where I met John Smith. 12 months later, well, 18 months later, which is Olympics. Well, from August, yeah, it's about, yeah, about, yeah, about, yeah, 12. No, it's actually less, like eight months later, I won Olympic silver. Um, then another eight months after that, I was number eight in the world in, in, in Helsinki in the 400 in a sprint event and a blue ribbon event. Now this is one, no, no, no disrespect to no, it wasn't a javelin or something like that. This was mm-hmm. one, the four and the 15. And, um, and then after that, another eight months, no, no, another six months later, I'm Commonwealth champion and beating X number one in the world in 04, being the world indoor champion. And, um, and so I really, I was really like that catapulted like straight away. Um, so I didn't have a pedigree of, of, athletics in me it was just purely based on this work ethic and belief up until that point so for myself i can't tell you which performance was the best because each performance brother um catapulted me onto another performance and without that other performance i wouldn't have because if i didn't make the top eight in the world in helsinki i wouldn't have believed in myself to win commerce because in my head i'm like there's only six commonwealth athletes in the final in helsinki so i'm like i know if i put another six months in i can at least beat three of them which means i'll be on the podium so that was one of my beliefs where I knew I was going to get on the podium in Melbourne. But then when I got there, I just performed even better and I was able to win. So I can't really give you on what performance was my best performance because each one of them, for me, had, had a different storyline behind it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's, like, there's races like I ran, excuse me, like we won a bronze medal in, in a relay at World Championships in Berlin in 2009. And... For, that was the first time I led a team from start to finish in a sense of what we did behind the scenes, mentoring two young guys, um, you know, essentially walking through what our plan will be and leading by example. Like we have, so I was a selfish athlete up until that point. So that to me, I, I love that more almost than winning Commonwealths. But I'll never say that because Commonwealths was that validation for me that I can compete with the best in the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, they just, it's, a, it's a very complex answer I'm giving you. I hope I'm not sounding like I'm going around in circles here, but it was just, that was, that was sort of how I did my justification of, of how I feel towards each of my accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely, man. Talk me through the uh, 400 itself. I want to understand this event because to me, it seems like, seems like a 200 freestyle in the pool. It seems like you need speed, but yeah. there's uh, an endurance component to it, you know? Yeah. And and then there's also uh, a breaking point, you know, where you're gonna where you're gonna break some people, man. Um, Bro, <laughs> funny you say that because in a tournament of freestyle, it's four sectors, right? Yeah. First lap, yep. mm-hmm. third lap, fourth lap. In a quarter mile, there's four sectors: it's your first hundred, mm-hmm. second hundred, third hundred, and each of them have each of them have a play into the next hundred. And if you set them all up correctly, it leads you to decelerate the least out of everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Essentially, that's always the play. Yeah, you're not getting faster. You're just decelerating mm-hmm. slower than anything else. So yeah. I chose poorly, brother. I don't know how the freak I ended up. <laughs> I don't know why I chose that a bit, man. But I just wasn't good enough at the 100 and the 200. I just wasn't quick enough. Yeah. But I had um, I was. I didn't appeal to the eight, but I had good endurance. I, was one of, I did a DNA test like a year ago and <laughs> identified that that um that i have a gene of 50 50 percent aerobic and percent anaerobic so Perfect. i don't i'm not one i'm here so it just was amazing that i ended up picking the quarter mile because that's yeah. essentially what you need mm-hmm. so uh, 
but no, if you break down the sectors for a quarter, like my like my splits, I'd aim to go 10-9 to the first hundred, 10-5 to 10-4 down the back stretch. I'd want to go 10-9 again around the curve, 10-8, sometimes 10-7, and then I'd come home in like 12-3, and I'd hope to come home, hope to set the race up so well that I put myself in front that it makes it really hard to, like in any race, man, it's, it's one thing to catch somebody, it's another mm. thing to overtake. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. always make their job really difficult to try and catch me and make sure that my mechanics and my ability to to hold speed was 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 at a really great level because it'll make it really hard for them to overtake me. They can maybe catch me, but they might not win and beat me. So I became more of a racer than worrying about times, if that made sense. Yeah. I just made my ability to race and win because at the end of the day, doesn't matter what the Olympics did one in 50 seconds or 42 seconds as long as I fucking win you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. that was always my mentality excuse my language for all those young years out there but it's uh it's my aggression that comes through man <laughs> right so um but yeah man that that's how we break the sectors and it's a beast of a thing to train in man to get more technical um there's a huge endurance component in fall for America for the for American audience um and which would be our summer in Australia and uh, I would train like eight fifteen hundred meter run, which which was under John Smith's training. Some people take the Eastern European approach, which they train more shorter and more of an anaerobic base. Um, but John was really big on on like again the 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 feeling and the technical ability to be able to hold speed. And um, he he recognized that if the more endurance we did um, and the bigger aerobic capacity we had, we were able to transport oxygen a lot better in our red blood cell, increase our metacreep naturally. Um, and, and that gave us that ability, which you need for a quarter mile to, um, when we started sharpening up towards the season. So if you go on for that fall training would be, or a typical day would be, you'd wake up in the morning. Um, I would, like you saw, it'd be an hour and a half worth, worth of warming up, which could consider from a 3k, then into drills. Um, you do five of each drill six times, um, then a 600 or 400, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, and that'd be our warm up. And then we'd go into our session, which would be, say, 12 200s or a 6 4, 6 4, 8 4, 6. Like, it'll be something like that. And that'll be our session. And then after the session, some days we'd go straight away into a 20 minute run. So it's a lot of volume, a lot of aerobic stuff at a real slower pace. But when you're doing your workout, you're still working on the mechanics and the technical element. But when you're doing the long run and you're doing the warm up, you're warming up to get to that point and you're cooling down and increasing your ability. That would be in winter. That's a typical session. Your pre-comp phase, you would drop that and start to get to, say, 12, 200, still the same warm-up, get to 12, 200, and drop the long run to maybe three times a week. And then your comp phase, you'd really start to narrow in again that one-off rep bullet, right? Mm. Similar to um, The warm-up will come down where it's, it's three of each drill. Um, you would not do the six, four, one, one, one. You would not do three Ks. You'd do seven times 100 to start off with seven times, 700 strides. Um, and then a workout would be from like a th- like 60 and 80 um, five minutes into a 300 all out. And you're just teaching your body now just to hammer. You know what I mean? But you've got yeah. this big foundation of work in you, which allows you to have that, that, that ability to actually do that. And then some of your weight sessions would drop off similar. So you'd go from a very big weight block, which you're doing a lot of volume, a lot of reps, and not a big weight, to when you'd get to, say, right before a championship, you'd maybe lift twice a week, or sometimes 16 or 20 days you wouldn't lift at all. Um, and you'd do you know, reps of one and three, and they're just fucking, you're just hammering it. You know mm, what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So, so do you consider that a taper? Do you guys taper in track? 
Yeah. You do? Yeah. Big, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like when you when you right when you're getting towards a um a uh, a championships man, I'd get out the weight room like 16 days before a championship. Oh really? And, that uh, far out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just to increase the recovery and. Did you go through a the- funk? Was there was there a, was there a thing called tape of funk in in track? All the time. If you can't do with, a- and that's what makes a great coach a great coach because they get your athlete through that funk and they can recognize the funk. And then, and then work him through it. And John was John was a master at that, like like a freaking master. Like I don't know how he guessed it. I don't know how he did it. We all say it from Tori Edwards to Maurice to Arto Bolden to Mary Jo Barek to anybody that's been with him will tell you that. Like he just was a master at it. And um, and then you learn it as you get older. You know you recognize it, learn it, and you get through it. But um, there's nothing worse than a funk because you start questioning everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Like with your dog, your mom, you know, you <laughs> you looking at everybody sideways, man. But um, <laughs> but nothing better than when you get out of it, and then yeah, you're able to you're able to achieve. But that that's when the trust comes into your your group and your circle of people you have around you. And that's where a circle of people around you becomes really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. But um, well, talk to us about some of the struggles that you faced in track too. I mean, I know that you were pretty outspoken when it came to some of your competitors and some of the choices they made man like how did you deal with that shit where, where you know that someone's dope and, and like what do you do about that it's heavy man and and I'll, I'll be straight i thought about it um and what stopped me was i i know i'm gonna have kids and i have and how i was raised um and i know i was going to influence I was influencing people, influencing fans. And I'll tell you when I thought about it, because it'll make sense. Um, and and for me, I, I pride myself in who I am as a man. And that's why I stood up for myself. And I like, if my son or daughter or your kids ask me, or kids ask me, can I become a champion? I can look them in the eye and say, of course you can, because I don't look at myself as being God's gift to running. Yeah. I just had a good, so if these kids have a good work ethic, they'll be able to do the same thing. And I'm just so blessed that I was able to have that ability to make that conscious decision for myself because in professional sport at the top, top end, um, you know, there's money and, and people make poor decisions. And I, I respect their decision because it's got nothing to do with me um, because I live my life and I get to rest my head good at night. But for them, I, I don't know how victory would taste if I knew I wasn't playing fairly. You know, like yeah. I think that would be really uncomfortable. And 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 I'll, the reason why I said earlier, I mean, it was only time I thought about it was when I was watching people not respect. This was in 2011. Now I've already had damn eight years of my career, um, but I was in the back end of my career and starting to get more hurt, more injured. And that's typically when people want to get back to where they want to get. Yeah. So that's when they voices. And um, and you know, you're watching people that you know aren't as good as you, you know, having eight year careers and, and, and just continuously performing at a high level and with no injuries and you're just scratching your head. And, um, and I, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad on the decision that I made and I'm proud of the decision that I made. I have no regrets. And yeah, maybe I could have had more gold medals and maybe I could have had, um, you know, and I'm not saying every gold medalist is a cheat. I'm not, I'm not accusing my body, but, um, I, I sure as hell know that 
you know, at, there's many times I was going to a gunfight with a knife, you know what I mean? Because I'd see people improve a second and a half in four weeks. And I'm, which takes to achieve that, you know? So, um, but I never had no hate for them. I just, it was my choice, their choice. I was still going to win if I, I still believe in myself so much. I was like, yeah, you might consistently perform at this level, but if I get my shit together, I'm still going to whip your ass. <laughs> so I, that was, that was, just, that was my, all the time, you know? So mm-hmm. I never, I, I'm sure I got friends and I'm not going to reveal any names that have told me that, that at certain points in time, they dibble dabble because we're older now. And, and I'm like, shit, you know, like, damn, I'd never known, you know? And yeah, it's, it's just, it's just the way it is, man. You know what I mean? And Trumpy might not like year in this or, but it's just the truth. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you ended up becoming real good friends with, um, Usain Bolt. How did that come about? Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> so Usain and I had a mutual best friend and we, that's how we linked up, but we only party. So we just knew at the end of season, I was different than most athletes. I didn't drink. I did nothing in season. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't go. I would just train hard for nine months. And party hard for two to two to three months after. <laughs> so it was that was, for me it was I deserved to party hard for two or three months because I worked hard for nine months and yeah. that's how I and John was cool with that and I would for me I just focus in. So when I was hurting, say in that you know that three to four month mark midway through a season, you want to go out, mm. you're just getting frustrated, you just left a massive block. There's no competitions on. You want to you want to stray. In that time, I'd go, I got another four more months and I get to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So I didn't you know, hold me down. So I never really understood people that took two, three weeks off after a season. I'm like, damn, like you need to give your brain, your brain, forget the body. Like you need to give your brain a chance to just, just to come down a level, man. You know what I mean? Just to exhale. So when you're in the trenches in the season, you're not carrying on like a, like a little, puppy dog man you know what i'm saying like you you're ready to fight you know what i mean like you, you you've hardened you've given yourself time to, to breathe mm-hmm. so that's how you say no we just we became good party but so every after every season he was into partying so then we link up party and then <laughs> over time man like 12 years later we just we just we became like you know you just evolve and just become closer and lean, lean on each other for different things at different times and um and he's been a great friend to me man like it's hard because i don't see him as the fastest man in the world he's he's the godfather of my daughter and like it's just it's just a dude that i mm. like it's fun we all have vulnerabilities and we you'd never think a nine-time olympic gold medalist is would go through things still in his sport you know what i mean like it was just nuts but yeah he's a dope individual man what he what and what he's achieved is just it's 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 amazing man well, that's it. I mean, other than, other than the party and the, and the fun and the relaxation, I mean, what'd you learn from him on the track? What'd you learn from watching him? And, you know, is that it? He's just got a killer mindset. But one, one of, it's, and it's so different. So a killer mindset could be like Jordan. We're all watching the documentary yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and, he, and that's how I was. More like Jordan. Maurice Green was like that. And that rubbed up for me. And John was like that. That's how we trained. That documentary... I could put myself in that situation and I've done that, but not in basketball. That's how we were. Yeah. That was it. It was chastising. There was, there was getting in your face. There was getting on your ass. There was everything each day, 
you got if you weren't if you weren't hardened and toughened, you were spat out. I saw heaps of top athletes come to John and get spat out. I'm talking top two in the world athletes and get spat out. Mm. And and because it was just the way that that success and you have to admit HSI had a lot of success, right? Mm-hmm. And um and for those of H HSI was the name of our group at the time. Um and so with Usain he had ability to let nothing bother him still to this day. Nothing bothers him. Like he, he this happens. This is not something I'm making up. We can be now at my home and his car can get broken into lit on fire and he'll go outside, look at it and have in a split second, make a conscious decision to not let that affect him. And it will not affect him. Mm. Wow. And he can life like it spins me out. Like, yeah, you're quiet. It spins me out. Like, cause I go, man, your car's burning, bro. Like we should do something about it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we should. And he's like, John, that's what firemen are for, man. Call them up. They'll come put it out. Let's go back and watch TV. It'll be all right. I'll call up the guy. We'll get insurance. It'll be cool. Wow. I, I'm not making this up. Like, no. like I'm, I'm not, this is the dude. And I yeah. Olympics I got a video of it. He's laying on the couch. I'm playing video games in his room. And it's about three hours until the 100 final. And he just is sitting quiet, just laying on the couch. And he's laying, so he's laying like, so I am, he's laying, so I'm at the bottom of his feet facing, he's laying like me and I'm facing this way, looking at the screen. And I just looked at him and I'm like, you good? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, today I can become a legend. And I was like, I was like, damn, mm-hmm. all right. I was like, all right. And then, and then, yeah, we started talking about what he was going to do before the race. Like, should I do this on my fingers? Should I do an umbrella? Like, that's what he was more concerned about. And then it's not an act. When he gets out on that track, he legitimately is having the best time of his life. Like, he has dealt with everything and he believes in what's going to be, he's going to be. So, and that's it. Oh, that's what, that's it. I was going to ask you that. Like, how do you get that relaxed? And that's the point is whatever's going to be is going to be, but, but he had phenomenal belief in his own abilities too, right? Crazy. Yeah. Like he, he, he's, he, and I, and I, and I don't think he was born with it because he admits himself. He wasn't born with it. He had heaps of insecurities, but I think when you're that in tuned emotionally, I think you learn to harden. And I think over the years he's hardened to the point where, where he knew that if he executed, believed in himself, did the work that, I mean, Pete, don't get fooled by the chicken nugget story at Olympic Games. This dude worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. Like, worked his ass off, but just wouldn't show people. But he, behind the scenes, goes hard. And, um, yeah, man, he, he, for me, I did it a different way. Mine was, if I, I'm truly diligent, do all the 1% as work hard. When I get to the line, I have no excuses. So I'm afraid of nothing because I'm ready. So I just go for it. Um, where his was his unique ability mentally to go, what will be, will be. I've done the work. I'm just going to go out there and just do me and whatever. I know I'm the best. I know I, I got talent and they have to come catch me. That's what is his thing. That was his team, mm. which you wouldn't, I mean, it's hard to coach that. It's hard to tell people be that way. That's something that this dude was, you know, like it's, it's amazing. Like how, how he was able to do that, man. Yeah. You know, 
What about for you? When, when did you know it was time to hang it up? When I was pulling up to the line, happy with third. Mm. Mm. That was it. Was it that eh? was it. Yeah. I was never like that. You never Every, had that mentality, man. You never had that mentality. I was always winning, whether it was chess, table tennis, running. I, if I'm there, I'm there to take your head. That was just me. Like that was, that was fill my rank. And you're gonna say, if I lost to me, you, I lost to you. You beat me. You'd walk away going, oh, shit. I don't wanna race that guy. You know, I don't wanna fight that guy again. That, that shit was too hard. I don't wanna do that anymore. You know what I mean? Like then the next time I'm in your head. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm paying for you. I'm in your head for free, paying no rent. <laughs> and next time, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have one up on you, man. So you're not gonna that day you got me, but the next time we meet gonna be tough again and again and again relentlessly so i just got to the point in 2014 where i wasn't like that anymore i was pulling up and i was content with with third i was at the line just not like a warrior man my my, my warrior was tired man it was done it was cooked and i and i was cheating in training i was taking a rep off i was yeah, it's near enough, it's good enough. And I was getting near enough, good enough results. So um, I, I had a coach get on my ass one day. He sent me an abusive text. And at the time I took it, I was really weak with the way I responded because I was like, how dare you talk about this? And it took me a couple of days and I recognized, and it's the best thing you ever said. And essentially the text went, it was like, um, what? I ran in Austria and I came last and I, went, I came last again in Italy and I wasn't running slow but I was just running in good comp but I was just taking a lot of L's bro and, <laughs> and, uh, and he was just like he was like um, what are you doing you're embarrassing yourself and you know you're, you're overweight and you're not taking things seriously and if you at least leave the sport the way you came in with your head up high and that really resonated with me man mm. I was like He's right, you know? So the next eight weeks before Glasgow, I trained my ass off. And, and, and it was too late. It was two months, not enough. You meant to do that for a long time. And I managed to get to a really reasonable level. And, um, and I knew that was it, man. My body couldn't handle it anymore. Besides the physical things, I was getting old. Yeah. I was 30 time. Um, body was sort of on, on, it, on, it, on its way out. But more my mentality had shifted. You know, I reckon body is led by the mind. And I reckon I could have gotten to Rio. Um, and been four Olympics, but what for? Like you said, back mm. to this, the opening step. Why does be a team player? If I'm not there to win medals, I shouldn't be freaking going to the games. Mm. That's my mentality. Ain't no point. What's the point? Mm -hmm. You ain't there winning or trying to win and doing your very best on that, on that time. No point going. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying winning is a personal best. If you're not setting a personal best at the games, you messed up. Yeah, that's my belief, man. And people can look at me crazy, but that's what you're working for is to be the best you can on that in that week. Now, injury happens, sicknesses happen, things happen, of course. Okay, right? That happens. Cool. But your mentality, if it's not there to get a personal best on that day, then I think you've let yourself down. That's just my. That's my. That's, oh, if yeah. you're so, 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 yeah, big man. That was that was just it for me. It was just I was I was. I was done. I was cooked. And, and I remember I was walking off the Walmart track in Glasgow 
And I was quite emotional because I knew that was my last race. And I was walking through the sort of warm down area, the tunnel media zone, came up, popped up by the warm up track. And I just heard, I heard from across the field, yo, John! Like, you suck, man. <laughs> oh, look, Eddie, what's you saying, bro? <laughs> like, what was that? I ran the relay, man, and I, and I caught one person, but I didn't catch enough people, man. And he was just like, he was, was, was like, bro, you're here to win. Yeah. Being, like, why you run like that for? But it was all I had, and we laughed it off, and and stuff like that. And then when he ran in 2017 in London, he tore his hamstring and it was pretty sad. And anyway, we drove back to the hotel together and I was sitting in his hotel room and I was like, hey man, you kind of suck right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his last race and it was my last race in 2014 and we just laughed because he remembered when he, when, he, when, he said that, when he said that to me. But yeah, that was, I just knew, man. And I'm happy, man. I was so comfortable my retirement. I was mm. so comfortable that I exhausted myself. Like, it was, I have no regrets with, yeah. with the long of my career. Yeah. Yeah. When you know it's time, it's time. I felt the same way. I didn't have injury or nothing, but I was like, it's, it's time to get out of this, man. I'm, I, I was the same. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, you know, cut throats anymore. It was like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Gotta be done. It's what, what, yeah. It's like that, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's a weird feeling. Like, the fun was out of it for me. I enjoyed, I enjoyed taking sculpts, man. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I loved it. Being, being one of the sharpest athletes in the world and then getting out there and going right let's duke it out you know like that that moment man when you step on the blocks and the crowd goes silent and mm. all the chips on i mean i i miss that i miss that that's why i race cars now because you get that adrenaline at the starting grid and it's just it's just man like the training in that i'm comfortable and i'm done but that mentality of I could break somebody down in core room by looking at him. And I learned that from the best. Like I got taught that and I won races in the core room by mm -hmm. just me in there. But I, you're done. Oh, you looking, Oh, you look like you're ready. You, you know? And I knew, but I learned that and I love that, you know? And that's why I enjoy watching the Jordan documentary because you, I like that style to me. That's dope, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought the end of episode seven there, man, it was so powerful. Like the last three minutes of episode seven where Jordan's talking about the type of, um, you know, teammates that he expected and, and how he pushed them and, and what, he, what he demanded from him. And he's like, like that's, the, that's the way I know how to win. People are freaking out on that, Brett. People now are going, oh, I know in Australia, like, oh, man, that's a bit, yeah, you know, I didn't know he was, he was, he was such a prick. Like, and it's like, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. Nah, not at all. Not at like, all. I'm like, this guy is, if you look at everybody out of that team, had success after. Horace Grant, you look at Pippen when he, when he, when he did his thing. Kerr has gone to be a great coach. You know, like everybody that was in that team somehow took elements of that greatness. And I'm not just saying it was him. It was, it was, it was a, it was an organization that was created around, right? So you mm -hmm. coach and everything, but the learnings of that is crazy, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the guy knows the importance of a team. I mean, 
It's different styles of getting the best out of people. Of course, I get that. I get it. But that doesn't mean you chastise this style. Does that make sort of sense? Yeah, man. I cried. I was like, oh my God. Like I was so, I was so connected to what he was saying, you know? hundred percent, man. I mean, everything is just, it's just, I mean, for me, I, maybe I'm biased because I, I was, I had that, like I had that from Maurice, like that level of chastising where when I first came as a young kid, it was confronting because it was, re- and it was really like, like you had to get your shit together. And for me, it was like preparing you for war. And when I, that's where I learned the core room stuff. That's where I learned getting in a race by, that's what we're dealing thousands of a second. If I can break somebody down in quorum by my demeanor, my aura, my swag, let alone my ability and my training and hard work. And that's the difference between me making a half a million dollars in a season or a million dollars in a season and winning a gold medal, which I'll have for the rest of my life and not winning. That's part of my business. Mm-hmm. I need to know all this. Yeah. Like, God help people that didn't have that, man. Like, like you're just not going to survive. you got hungry people. I had people from Africa that are feeding their village racing against me. Mm-hmm. I come from the country of Australia, brother. Like, like <laughs> I'm good. Like, these people are feeding a village running against me. They're going to do, they're doing whatever they need to do. So if I'm not ready for that type of static, mm-hmm. what did I train hard for four years for? Yeah. I just don't get it. This, this new style call me old fashioned, but I, I appreciate it. And I think there's many ways to skin a cat. Definitely believe that many ways to skin a cat, but I don't think you drop all of the old principles, man. Um, when it comes to pure mono mono competition, I still think, I think those that blend the two and blend this new style and, and have some of that, um, veracity. Um, I think you're going to, I think you're going to put yourself in a position of, of excellence. Well, I think what you can have is success the other way. I, I think that you can you, you have a much better chance of sustained success over period, longer periods of time when you are hardened, when you're, when you're battle ready. That's when you're going to have success over a long period of time. That's what I think. You know, you're going to get the cat who'll come, come along and not, they're not, not prepared to, 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 you know, hear the hard things or do the hard things or whatever it is. And, and they'll, They'll do something, but over over time, man. That's gonna, really well, how are you gonna win? You know, that's really well put. And it's funny, man. I'll, and I'm not basing this purely on the isolated uh, approach that our group had. This is this is a com- This is uh, for me uh, years of of speaking from swimmers to footballers to. And we're blessed when you're in the top echelon in the world of sport. You're mixing with the best doctors, other bit. Be- great athletes and we're talking, we talk, mm-hmm. we're having a drink or we're eating food. We're talking, we're sharing stories and all the, all the stories that, you know, and, and, and the things I hear, we, we, it all collaborates in some form, some way, and just in a different style, but there's some common denominators there, which you put so articulately that if you want longevity and over a sustained period of time, you need to have this hardness about you. Mm-hmm. You just, it's, it's going to make it really difficult you not to, to for for you to, I mean I've I mean this I, I can name which I don't want to like a ten girls off the top made in track and field um that are harder than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That are all champions, but yeah. are warriors. Like yeah. warriors. And and I'm not comparing I'm not I'm not saying that because they're female they're not meant to be as hard as a male. No. 
but I'm saying for a long period of time, society's beliefs were that 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 men were harder. So you know, but I mean, you're you're, you're seeing the ability of everybody collectively having this thought process. You know what I'm oh, saying? So, yeah. man. And I, I, I interviewed uh, Gail Devers a couple of weeks ago, man. That was fun. Oh. Yeah, warrior, man, warrior. Warrior. You, you warrior. weren't, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't beating her, man. You, she was no pushover, man. She's no, no pushover. Bobby Kersey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she. Yeah, man. You, Bobby Kersey. <laughs> wow. Another great coach. Great coach. Coached. Jackie Joyner, Kersey, that's his wife, yeah. obviously. Um, Gail, if that's correct, Alison Felix, Joanna Hayes. Like, I mean, he's got, he's, he'd have about 10 Olympic gold medals, maybe more. Like, he's just yeah. but a hardened man, bro. Like, mm-hmm. just hardened. So, and and those, those those ladies, man, like Alison Felix is the sweetest woman you'll meet, but a hardened warrior, bro. I should cut Put her in front. In no time, <laughs> in no time, bro. In no time, with no second guessing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you know, you I see that. You learn that. You're like, whoa, okay. You know what I mean? And you learn yeah. off. You learn, right? So, yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a unique, it's a unique thing, man. And like I said, I, I think you put it, you put it well, man. If you want sustained success over a period of time, you need to have that ability to be hardened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm like you. I love talking to all the athletes. When I went to the Olympic Village and as a swimmer or a coach, I just, I just love walking around and talking to the different athletes because we've all, we've all got the same goal, you know. We've all got the same way to get to where we want to be, you know. It doesn't matter what the sport is. You got to go through all the stuff. You got to go through all the sacrifices. You got to go through yep. all the pain and agony if you want to be yep. successful. And at the end of the day when you stand up on the starting line, whether it's a starting line in a pool or on a track, you're facing the same things, you know, you're, you're, you're next to your opponents and you got to figure out how am I going to beat that guy next to me? That's what it is in an individual sport. It's you got to beat the people next to you and you got to figure that out. And that's the one thing that I loved about, about Usain Bolt watching him when he stood up on the starting line, man, it was just like this, it was like this relaxation came over him. And like you said, nothing else mattered at that point in time. It's like, I loved watching him, man, because it was, he did it better than anyone I'd ever seen do it, where it was just like this relaxation and just let my performance come. And like He just went into automatic mode. You could tell he wasn't thinking. There was no like, I got to do this, I got to do that. It was just like, watch me go. You know, it was like, yeah. Yeah, I loved watching him at the starting line. Yeah, no, he, he's yeah, he's he, he's he's bad because he makes coaching hard, man. Because, because yeah. you can't, <laughs> you know, like. He, he's well, you bad. can learn from it though, you know, and that's the thing is yeah. like, people people put it down to oh, he's talented or he's you know he's six foot four and he's he's this and he's that or maybe even some people say he's on steroids or you know it's like we've got to come up with all these other reasons other than just giving this guy credit for being yeah. for just figuring it out you know and when he's, you can figure it out he's talented like he, he he was a student of the game too like we have in-depth running conversations and and we we're able to break things down like on why and how and where you know like he he he, he but he just like you said he had a, a really good ability just to just to get into the to, to where he, he knew his ability and just made it happen 
you know, like he didn't really yeah. care what was around. But you're right, you can you can definitely you can definitely learn um, from elements. The problem is that that we live in a world where people want to replicate something and think that's going to be the quick, easy way for success. Mm. Um, but there's no, as you know, there's no straight line of success and there's no easy way. You know, you're taking elements of different people and making the best you can for you, right? There's only one of you. So, you know, you need to get the best out of yourself. Yeah, and right. Sane worked out how to do that. He got mm. the best out of himself because a lot of these things don't apply in a textbook. And a lot of the ways he went about it, things as, as it wasn't told to him, he did it. He made those choices. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, man, it, 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 we're, we're blessed to be able to, to witness greatness um, in, in our era. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, how'd you get into the car racing? Big man, I could never afford it, man. As you know, I, I come from humble beginnings. And then, um, yeah, I just was I just was just blessed, man. You know, like over, over time, I was able to have a bit of – um, success in business and, and a few things. And, um, and I had a mate of mine who was racing in a V8 supercars here in Australia. And he, um, I asked him, I want to get into racing. And then, uh, yeah, he set the pathway out for me and yeah, got into racing, uh, in the Carrera cup. Yeah. In Australia. So I did GD3 challenge first and then did the Carrera cup. And then Ray, I'm actually doing an E series on Monday for V8. Um, mm. in the series, I have to get up this point. I gotta go, I gotta simulate it downstairs. So I gotta hop in that and cut some laps and get a bit better. Um, but just truly blessed, man. The motor racing, I, physically, I don't have, I believe I don't have it to be a professional athlete anymore. Um, but m- my mentality is still a warrior, man. Like whether it's in business or whether it's in just pro-am sports, um, I want to still use that because it's still, it, I still got like a huge library of skills that I think I can use. And in, race, in racing cars, the car is your chariot. Um, you just got to, be the brain to work it and make get the best out of the car and uh, that's really excites me working with engineers and the team and trying to get the maximum performance out of the car making light height changes and learning about um what the car is doing um to, to again get lap time and get maximum performance um is really awesome for me and i enjoy it brother so um so yeah man it's just for me it's more it's just a pro-am thing like i'm never going to be a pro driver but uh it's just a whole lot of fun and um i really enjoy the process is it similar to running the 400 where there is, um, nah. Nah? <laughs> the other nah. way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah man. You've got to be relaxed. And it's uh. about, flow, and which the little elements of, of 400 there is that, that you have to be relaxed. You still got to flow, but it's over a longer period of time. And aggression doesn't work well in a race car. If you mm-hmm. don't, you've got to be really accurate with brake markers, easy on the throttle, know your apexes, great on exit and it's about consistently doing it repeating that lap in lap out not losing focus staying having tunnel vision taking in still steering wheel brake bias adjustments roll center adjustments all those listening to your radio pick up on flags marshals um other <laughs> doing um debris on the road uh, track track grip um you know weather conditions all those sort of things you've got to all this is happening constantly taking you know all this information in um, and then still trying to get a result that really, um, that's exciting to me. You know, that, that stuff is, is awesome for me, you know? So, and so yeah, when, I, all, when all that clicks, uh, it, it must feel good when you, when you finish a race and all that has just clicked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah. when the car up and you've, 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 you've like your team has nailed it. Um, now when I watch Formula One or I watch like other races, I get it. You know, like I watched Days of Thunder last night. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> happened to be on 
And I, was, I felt like I was cold trickle, man, for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, cold trickle. And it was, it was, it was dope. Man. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's it's wicked when it all comes together. But when it goes wrong, man, you know, and it's just like, what the hell? Like it's crazy. So yeah, I'm fighting for punishment when it comes to that stuff, man. I enjoy it, man, because from every down comes an up. So I look forward to then working my backside off. Um, making changes and and conquering myself again, you know, because anytime yeah. you have a, every time you have a down, you got to conquer yourself, right? Because the devil becomes active, telling you not know, good enough that you need to stop that so and so is better. I told you not to do it, you can't do it. And I love beating that guy because he's <laughs> constant. I love talking to you, man. You're so switched on with this stuff. Like you're so sharp with stuff that is so relevant and important. Like you said, like we, we get stuck in textbooks, but like it's all in the head. A lot of this is in the head, man. And when you can figure that out, when you can conquer your own demons in there, you can have so much more success, right? It's nuts, man. I'm reading this, that David Goggins guy. Oh yeah. Book. Dave Goggins is incredible. Yeah. I'm reading his book at the moment. I'm not into that shit, man. Reading people's stories. I'm just not, yeah. I'm just, like that but i just started reading and a friend bought me the book and i always look at that as from, from the big man above when something like that comes in your life because he knows i don't read books he's very close to me and he buys me a book mm -hmm. and i'm like why um and you know yeah i mean you're, you're you're you can unlock so much through your mindset you can unlock and the people you circle yourself around if they have the similar mindset like you just go to another level. It's just, it's, it's amazing to watch and it's amazing to feel because you just don't having that negativity or that pessimism or, or that voice that's taken up your day. You know what I mean? Like telling you, you can't do things. It's like for my, 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 my basis, I work things on. If another man has done it, I can do it. Mm. Yeah. Like full stop. That's just me. Well, that's definitely how I was athletically. And now with business, I think the same thing. I'm changing my mindset because I don't come from an affluent background. I don't come from a lineage of family that was in business and knows business. It's completely the opposite. So I'm like a fish out of water again. I'm in my infancy and it's really intimidating. And I, really, I have heaps of self-doubt. And luckily, I know how to manage that because I would just go into working a nine to five. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I wouldn't be exhausting all of me on what I know, my, I know mentally, my sporting background, my PhD I have in running, I did it for 15 years, or 13 years, whatever it was. Um, that, I've got to use that, use that talent, use that, that study. If you're a lawyer or a doctor and you study for 13 years, you're not going to use that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. So it's just, it's just now, so I'm going through that now, I'm 38 years of age and I'm going through now my infancy in, in business and the governance of business. I was able to sit on the board of my federation that, that I ran for um, and learn board governance. Uh, I, I consult the federation now for their commercial high performance department. Um, I work with other elite athletes through the mentoring and not so much on their sport, but more the holistic side of, of sporting business. So dealing with how you deal with fame, how do you deal with sponsorship? How do you deal with your misses and your loved ones when you become famous? How do you deal with your sport whilst you're in your, with your teammates or your team? How do you do when you're on the field? How do you when you leave a game? What are you doing your off season, your rest season? We just talk through these things because all that is elite sport and they forget about that. And then when performance suffers, you want to blame it on the rep or you want to blame it on the gym or you want to blame it on your coach or, or the physio didn't massage me properly or, or I need more supplements. But there's so much other things that go around it, mm. which we didn't about you saying he worked out a really unique way which grounded him which kept him always centered um 
to get through those periods of times to give you again the longevity, right? So, so yeah, yeah man, that's the play, bro. Awesome, man. Well, never any doubt in my mind that you're going to be successful at everything you do, man. You're just so switched on, and you you just don't um, you just don't take no for an answer, man. When it comes to you know challenging yourself you're always you're always ready for that next i got more in me you know and so you're going to be you're going to be good at whatever man there's no doubt about that bro yeah, it's very humbling it's kind of you to say that man i hope so brother i like i said i got a beautiful family and um like i said we're only on this we only got one life right so yeah. i want to live a bloody good one while i'm on you I'll tell you that you yeah. know i'm glad i've done a lot of things which i never thought i'd be able to do man you know and I'm sure you have as well. You've traveled the world. I mean, if you just look at your podcast, the names you have on your podcast is, is because people respect you and they want to talk to you because of the hard work you put in. Yeah, I didn't have Olympic gold medal, but I hope I got the respect of my peers by the way I conducted the hard I worked. And I think you've definitely done that with the people. I know for me, from my side, like I have the utmost respect for you and um, how you conducted yourself and this type of person you were, um, you were relentless. You weren't braggadocious, but you were hardened. You weren't mean, but you were in an instant. You could be rock solid and, and tell someone to get stuff. You stood for something, so you fell for nothing. And you know, you 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 were a guy which 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 I which I molded my my career off. And we're from polar. We're from different sports. I'm on land. You in the, in the water. And and I'll still manage to get something from you. You know. And um, it's 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 something you know you should be really really proud of yourself for, man. Well, I, I'm proud when I hear things like that. And I know that uh, you tell me you've had, I've had an influence on your life. That makes me extremely proud, man, because I, I love you, man. And, and we haven't had, we, we haven't been as close as we were back, you know, for the past 15 years, cause I've been doing my thing. You've been doing your thing, but there's always been a connection there. And, and I'm so glad that we could reconnect and, um, man, I just, uh, I got a lot of respect for you too. So pr- I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your, 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 your brain, man. No, man, I think, I think that's what makes it great, man. If you can, if you can pick up from where you left every time you speak to somebody, I think that what makes a, a real relationship and a true relationship. And that's something I've always had with you. Um, it's great to see what you're doing. I mean, people listening to you, um, there's something, I, I believe there's something out of every podcast you're going to gain and you're going to learn from Brett. And it's not the obvious things I found, but it, it's you only realize once you're not around the guy, you start doing it. <laughs> and, and then you realize, so uh, keep doing your thing, brother. And um, I'm sure hopefully uh, as things progress, I hope we can get back on one day and, and share with, with your viewers on where things have gone and how it's gone in business. And hopefully we're, we're sponsoring and helping other kids come up um, and to experience what we were both lucky enough to experience. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool, man. Thanks. I appreciate your time, brother. And uh, have a good weekend. All right. Yes, sir. You too, my man. We'll talk soon. All right, bud. Take care. Yes, sir.